So we're back for an unexpected part two of the conversation with Janice Barcella from what we did just, you heard it just a little while ago here, and we're putting them together so that um, we preserve the continuity and then uh, we'll wrap up the show as if it was all in one piece. And that way you can listen to it at your leisure if you don't have enough time for all of it at once. And it's just that um, we both thought of a few things that, that we left out in the discussion before. So um, this will kind of round it out and hopefully leave it feeling more complete and ready for possible future installments when they come up in the future. So thanks for doing this, Janice. I appreciate your patience and doing the whole thing. So you told me that there are a few things that you would have liked to talk about. So why don't we start with that and see what you had in mind. Well, I realized that when we began talking about the cutting of the umbilical cord, there's a few things that I I missed that they do um, to the babies that people should be aware of are an issue because most people would not think to question these uh, protocols. Mm -hmm. Um, So in an ideal scenario, when a baby is born, the first person that will look in that baby's eyes is the father. Like the father should be front and center catching his baby and attending the birth. This is an ideal scenario, okay? Of course, the medical establishment has usurped the father's role, and there's very often a white coat standing in front of this birthing mother catching the baby, um, And this person in the white coat does not love the baby and should not be the first person to touch the baby or look in the baby's eyes. And the reason for this is that eye contact is a primary means uh, for the activation of the neurobiology of love. In other words, something happens in the brain when we make eye contact with somebody that we really love. And the brain is activated to uh, a download of chemicals will occur in the body that will, I mean, love is actually quite physiological. Mm -hmm. It's a very physiological experience. And I'm not talking about a sexual experience. I'm talking about an experience of such extreme uh, well-being a rightness of being and an expans- expansiveness um, that 
really orgasm pales in comparison to what love actually feels like. And this is what's supposed to be happening at birth. Um, and eye contact is very, very important for that to happen. But it has to be eye contact with somebody that loves us. You see, a mother or a father at birth. So what they do very often, in addition to taking the baby and not giving time for eye contact, is that they'll put burning poison gunk in the baby's eyes. And this will, of course, block the baby's ability to see, to make eye contact. Is that, is that done immediately, or when is that typically done? It's usually done before they hand the baby back to the mother, if the mother's even held it yet, which is not, not typical. Okay, so this poison burning gunk, you see the baby's eyes all turn red because it burns. It's supposed to prevent uh, venereal disease, which is nonsense. As I mentioned in the earlier part of this, they're trying to block love. They're trying to interfere with human love. So that's one of the ways that they're doing it is through the ointment that they put in the baby's eyes. Something else that they do is they put a hat on the baby's head. And they're going to tell you this is to keep the baby warm. Right. But in a in a an ideal scenario, the baby would be put skin to skin, either with its mother or its father. And it would be the body heat from the mother or the father or both that would preserve warmth for the baby. There's no... See, skin to skin is also a means by which the neurobiology of love will activate. We have to be able to smell each other, to feel each other, to look in each other's eyes. Smell is very, very important. And there's actually pheromones coming off the baby's head that, you know, anybody that's a parent can tell you how beautiful their baby's heads smell. Um, if that hasn't been interfered with, which it is interfered with when they put a hat on the head, Mm. then you cannot smell your baby's head. These pheromones are designed to activate the parent's um, recognition of their child and to activate the neurobiology of love. See, we can know in a millisecond if somebody is right for us by their smell. We can know in a millisecond if they're not right for us. Okay, smell is very, very important. And they're doing everything they can to interfere with that through, you know, all the perfumes and colognes that contain pheromones to try to get people to be attracted to someone they would otherwise be repulsed by. Um, This is all very deliberate and diabolical to interfere with the possibility of human love actually occurring. So the hat is part of that. It's a way to undermine that activation of pheromone recognition and love. Okay, And the third piece that's very important that they also do is something called swaddling, where they straitjacket the baby. Literally, they wrap the baby up in a mummified way so that the baby can't move. 
And very often when this is an, an outstanding insult to uh, that baby's well-being. This is also under the justification that the baby is going to freeze to death any moment, right? And this is, they, they teach people to swaddle their babies to get them to stop crying. And they oh, tell wow. the parents that uh, it's like, it's how the baby felt in the womb. The baby felt in the womb, apparently, that it could not move any of its limbs. It's nonsense, okay? Everything they say is nonsense. It's a lie. This, this is nothing like being in the womb. This is a form of trauma. This is a form of trauma-based mind control being used to induce dissociation in the baby. Dissociation being the insult is so great that the spirit will check out and mm-hmm. leave the body. And the baby is numb. And they'll tell people the baby is asleep. But the baby is not sleeping. You will find that the baby has very high levels of cortisol when you swaddle a baby, meaning the baby is in a very high state of stress and trauma from what you're doing to your baby. And yet this is what the parents are being told to do. The baby will stop crying because the baby's spirit has left the body just in the same way the baby's spirit often leaves the body during circumcision. Okay, the same thing happens in swaddling. And yes, the baby will shut up. And because these babies are so traumatized, they will be screaming if given the opportunity to try to get their parents to understand the pain that they're in and the horror of what's happened to them. But the parents have no concept, no awareness, no recognition, and are living in denial of it all because they themselves are also severely traumatized with no language to understand it until now. So those were the three things I missed, talking about the eye ointment, the hats, and the swaddling that are never, ever beneficial I don't care what they tell you. What is beneficial, you don't want to put, you know, a baby in blankets that have been washed in neurotoxic chemicals and swaddle that baby so it can't move. The baby's got gunk in its eyes, a hat on its head, and is wrapped in these toxic blankets. How can this baby and this mother and father bond when there's no skin to skin, there's no eye contact, there's no pheromone activation, There's nothing except a face of a baby who can't see you and is probably dissociated when they're handed to you because of the swaddling. Not good. And let me say this. The first hour after birth is the most important in terms of bonding, the activation of the neurobiology of love, and being able to really hold a family together. And if you disrupt that hour, which they always do in a hospital, you are disrupting the love in that family. And they're doing this in multiple ways. Enough said. Right. 
A um, couple of questions. One is, do you know, happen to know what the ingredients are in the IO ointment? I don't. That would be interesting. I don't. I think, I think there might be zinc. I really don't. I don't know. I, I should have looked know. it up. The pictures are very clear. <clears throat> the, the baby's eyes, you know, are all red. The skin is all red. Yeah. Baby's eyes. Now they're putting face shields over <laughs> Just since the fake pandemic started, I oh, guess. So these okay. face shields also blur your vision. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, it's just, it's just so much trauma and torture going on in hospitals. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. You know, even the, the medical personnel that have gone through the training and gotten indoctrinated that this is all cutting-edge science, and it's amazingly, you know, wonderful for everybody. It makes it obvious that there's more than one kind of intelligence because a lot of these people are very high IQ. They can calculate things to several decimal places in their head. I mean, that kind of intelligence many of them have. But the intelligence that allows you to see the obvious and have common sense is seems to have been intentionally stamped out by education. Now, this is a very important right. point you're making right now because we have intelligence, at least those of us that are uh, human. We have an intelligence through our feelings. Okay, we can know more in the millisecond through a sensation in our bodies right. than, than weeks and months of thinking about it. But these, and this is very powerful intelligence, that these, some of these creatures do not have it. They have no feelings. Okay. Well, it can also be trained out of anybody. Yes. And, yeah. and the right. others are being conditioned to ignore their feelings and to uh, deny the connection with their own bodies. Their bodies are probably screaming at them that this is wrong. Right. When you stand in the room and watch a circumcision happening and an infant screaming at being tortured and not have any feelings in your body unless, A, you are not human, B, you have dissociated yourself, Right. okay, or C, you know, you have been totally mind-controlled and conditioned to check out. Well, and just in case, most parents are not invited to watch stuff like that, right? Most parents are not. Some parents are, you know, in the Jewish tradition, the parents are watching. Okay, I didn't know that. They participate in it. Sometimes the father is doing the cutting. Wow. Okay, you know, like I said... That's a, te- that's a testament to the effectiveness of the indoctrination, I'm sure. Because midwife, there's a midwife who, who cut her own son. Right. Okay, so there you have it. <laughs> the, other, the other thing that you... Um, yeah, I mean, if conditioning in general were lifted off people in humanity, the world would be transformed in a minute. It's just uh, a challenging project. But... Um, you mentioned the neurotoxic chemicals that the the uh, blankets and hats are all washed in. They're also processed in that if they're coming. You know, one of the first things that was taken over by the genetic uh, engineering industry was cotton. Mm-hmm. Nobody eats cotton that I know of, but it's used for clothes, and it's like a patch on the skin yep. of babies and adults, and that's why, you know, chemicals going through the skin right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's happening with the clothing. And there are organic baby blankets and things like that that can be acquired. They're a lot, you know, probably four times the cost of the poison ones. 
But from what you're saying, it seems like you would agree it's a good idea to do things like that. 100%. I mean, we should have enough common sense or brains or intelligence never to put anything that's chemical on our bodies. You know, these are our champions. Yeah, exactly. You know, don't wash your clothes in chemicals. If you're going to buy clothes that are not organic, then get them used so that they've off-gassed, you know? Yeah, or some or chemicals that you're going to put on your body supposedly that are good for it. I you want that? You, well, I can't, I can't think of any, but people use lots of those. I mean, everything from shampoo to, you know, regular soap for your skin to just makeup of all kinds. Like lipsticks have lead in them and, you know, things that will go through your skin and poison you. And there are alternatives, but you have to know about it and look for them. You have to look for it. You have to be right. wise enough to look for it. Right. That's why I say people are participating in the satanic agenda without realizing what they're doing yeah and for most people it's very difficult emotionally to even grasp the magnitude of that you know what i found is that most people have to go stages you know learn enough so that you don't emotionally fall apart right away and then as you stabilize and learn to become conscious yourself you can handle more of it without being really you know falling apart as a result yeah the other thing I was wondering is that you probably haven't looked into this, but the word swaddling is really interesting, and I wonder what the etymology of it is. You know, yeah, that's what, a good question. I don't. That, what did that really mean? I don't know. I mean, I think the Native Americans had um, a type of swaddling that they used to carry their children on their backs. It wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, okay. Okay. It wasn't for the purpose of shutting your baby up. It was for the purpose of moving around with your baby attached to you. Yeah, I've yeah. seen those things made out of deer skin and other stuff like that that goes on your back so you can still walk and have your hands free. And yeah, so that may be where the, I don't know, that may be where the origin of the word came from, but I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, another thing from yesterday, which I think is a huge issue that could have hours and hours on it and... You know, before we get into that, I, I just want to mention to acknowledge for people what I just said really applies to the whole discussion we had on part one, which is that this is really emotionally deep stuff. I mean, this is not a superficial intellectual conversation. And the things that we're going into, most people avoid. Um, you know, if we wanted to be more universally. Uh, sought after on the internet we probably talk about the wardrobe of celebrities and things like that which are usually not organic <laughs> but um, instead the reason that we go into things that are difficult for most people to talk about because they they're dissonant with the conditioning and uh, is that the issue of whether the planet survives and the not the planet but the life on it the biosphere survives and the quality of life is really 100% boils down to consciousness. As, as far as I can tell, you know, the the fact that people are subject to hypnosis all the time and they think they're awake and um, they think they really know what's going on and they're repeating things they've memorized instead of anything they've actually learned. Um, that's the issue that's manifesting in so many different ways. And, you know, you look at any of these things we talked about at the introduction of part one, like 
the idea that you should poison your food before you eat it, and that's really going to help feed the world and save everybody from starvation. Nobody conscious would ever believe that kind of thing. You know, no farmer would ever do that if they had a feeling for what's going on and for what chemicals are and what food is and what the earth is. And it, this is not saying that anybody's the farmer or anybody is bad. It's just a commentary on how far we've lost our original conscious state. And so I think the reason to get into these discussions is to take steps to bring that back, right? Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100%. It is to awaken people from the spell. that we are. Most of humanity is under a spell right now, and um, it ha- it, we need to come out of it and to begin to really see what we're participating in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and another thing you said about that today was that, you know, where we're going, once we realign that and wake it up and get back to who we are instead of all these false programs of fake identities that we think are us and will defend to the death and use to fight against everybody else and things like that, um, where we're going is not going to leave anyone disappointed. I mean, the feeling of aligning with who you actually are and becoming conscious again is probably not describable compared to anything that we've experienced here. But with that in mind, it's understandable why, you know, everybody, whether they're following a path of evil or good or neutral or whatever. Yeah, can you, can you hear me now? Is that better? Yeah. It's an old mic. Sorry. Um, could you hear what I said before? Or do I need to restate yeah, that? It's just really low. Now it's much better. Okay, sorry about that. Um, everybody, whether they're... Because I've been observing these patterns for many, many decades, you know, since at least the 60s I've been working on this stuff. And um, I think every if you want to simplify it down to a bottom line, everybody, whether they're following a path of good, so-called good or evil or in-between or whatever new thing they're trying, every single one of them is trying to feel as good as they can. It's just that the people who are misled more think that they're going to feel good by hurting other people. And the ones who are more conscious realize we're all not only one family, but on a much deeper level, we're one being in all these different forms. And that's why whatever we do to somebody else or for them immediately comes back on us. And it's not like anybody's unselfish. Everybody I've ever met or heard about is 100% selfish, but the ones who are more evolved realize that their self is in everybody. And so, if they want to feel good, they have to just pour out everything they can for everybody else. And it's not that they're unselfish, they just have more of a perception of what's actually going on. So, when I look at the stages that people are at trying to feel good, they're trying to do that through food, they're trying to do it through the exact right manipulation of sex, as we talked about yesterday, they're trying to do it in all these different ways, and they all have this you know, peak and then they crash because they're they're not tuning into the actual source of how they could feel. But on the way to that, it's real tricky to manage the transition. And one of the things that you were talking about yesterday, you were saying that, you know, obviously sexual interaction between the genders is to create children, right? And that you you said at one point that ideally 
you could have sex a couple times in your life, create the children you want, and that would be it as far as sexual activity goes. And what I've found is that I've had, I understand that, but I've had extensive interaction with groups that taught that, and because of the understanding of the people that it was coming from, I guess, and the consciousness of everybody involved, it created the most incredible emotional wrecks you know and in the catholic church and other places like that people that were trying to live up to that particular vision became pedophiles and the priests start raping boys and you know they're really not in into they don't even know what it means they're they're trying to live up to a particular rule that the result of which for whatever reason when they do it makes them a complete mess and I think that's an interesting issue because it's a deep, deep question. So you, uh, cannot, you cannot approach this from a place of uh, following rules. You know, you have... We, that is what they were doing, yeah. We each have to come to a place within ourselves. Let's say, in my own personal experience, we've, I've walked the path of multiple sexual partners and... Right. Lots of sexual pleasure, you know. And I did not find the preservation of love there. Okay? I did yeah. not, was not able to manage to create a healthy relationship or a healthy family that could stay bonded that was enduring family love, okay? So if we're, you know, we're always, like you said, seeking to feel good. It's like we're all in search of yeah. a feeling that we know is our birthright. Okay? And, and we're correct, it is, yeah. It is, and we were denied it, and it's the feeling that I described to you earlier that yeah. should have occurred with the eye contact with our parents. And if you watch videos, I have several of them on my website, of this happening, of home births and babies mm -hmm. bonding with their parents and the love that is occurring in that family, okay, in that moment, in that hour after birth, okay, this is something that can be preserved for a lifetime that can hold people together. And it is that feeling that is our birthright that we've been denied and that we think sex is somehow going to fulfill or that if we have sex with somebody, we'll get to that, you know, that we'll get to the love that we're, we're seeking. Mm -hmm. But the opposite is true. You see, the more we have sex with different people, especially the less likely we're going to be able to find the one that really is the match for us. So we've been on the wrong path in terms of actually achieving the very feeling that we're all searching for, which can only be had through enduring family love. I had the same experience in a way. I, I was went to the university in the mid-60s, and pretty much everybody was having sex with everybody else. And nobody was getting anything, you know, that made them 
feel good out of it, yeah. actually, at all, other than maybe for a few <laughs> seconds. And they were constantly thinking, well, I just didn't do it exactly right, you know, and I have to do it better and more. And Let me whatever. learn all these different techniques, you know. Yeah, exactly. And none of it worked. And but But I just wanted to be clear between, I see that as one stage that doesn't usually have very satisfying results. And the other stage of a completely together bonded relationship where it's part of that rather than trying to artificially be celibate in marriage is not the same thing. And that has the potential of being actually positive in my experience. And a lot of people that I've talked to, I, I don't, we're all just learning, right? I'm not an authority on anything. So we're just sharing experiences. And, um, and I'm open to being wrong about absolutely anything because I've, I've made so many, you know, countless mistakes in my life. But just at the way it looks now after a long time of observing patterns, um, in, on this dimension of experience, and there are a lot of others, and some of which I've been there, and um, there's pain and pleasure here. And there have been people who misunderstood what you're trying to clarify right now for thousands of years. And some of the early Christian ascetics, for example, said, okay, pain, bad, pleasure, good. I mean, pain, good, pleasure, bad. And some of them would go, you know about this, though. They they would walk around whipping themselves all day. So So they would be really good, right? And they would become wonderful people. And they would wear these clothes that itched and and cut their skin and stuff. And they said, God, I'm really virtuous. This is going to be great. And they they had some, you know, misunderstandings and they were a bit confused. And so on the other side, too, I'm saying pleasure itself is not evil. And the problem with it, the reason it gets a bad reputation, is that it's so alluring that people give up almost everything to chase it and they end up using it in a way that's completely unethical and if you split that attention all over the place you're going to get the opposite of what you want and ideally it it does lead to other things not the pleasure itself but the conscious attitude that you're bringing to it if you keep searching for what is lasting you know the state that has been lost then eventually you get it you know, if that's your intention, not through sex, but that can be one of the steps that you experience on the way. And it's similar with money that people, you know, even some religious people are saying money is evil, or at least it leads to everything evil. And I think that's a misunderstanding because you can do a lot of good with money. It's not people have tried to be, you know, virtuous by being broke and starving. And it's a similar kind of concept as hitting yourself when the hair shirts and stuff. If you get a bunch of money, what happens is it allows your real character to come out. And in all the cases where the character's not that great, you know, the people feel free to become mass murderers and stuff like that. But I really think that if you're solidified in, you know, your connection to spirit and to God, if you get money, it's not going to turn you into a monster. So, you know, just similar things like that I think are important to understand. You know, I want to recommend to people uh, a series of books called The Ringing Cedars Books. That's ringing like a bell and cedars. I've read some of those. Those are excellent. 
So those are books that are very, very potent in terms of us understanding our pristine human capacities. And also, they have a very beautiful vision for the future Earth. And And it's a story. It's told as a story. And the path that we could take to achieve um, this beautiful vision for the future Earth, which is now occurring in Russia. Actually, there's more than 400 ringing cedar settlements in Russia. So. But I recommend these books in terms of really coming to terms with the truth about human sexuality and the significance of our consciousness in terms of conception and gestation and childbirth and also as it relates to the preservation of love in families. So I do not recommend to people that you choose to be celibate based on a religious rule because you are not making any conscious decision uh, that is important in that, in that choice. You're just obeying a rule. Okay? If you understand at some of the deepest levels of your being that what you really want is the fulfillment of human love in your life, The Ringing Cedars books can help you understand what is necessary to achieve that. What's the name of the heroine in that book? Anastasia. Yeah, exactly. And there's about 10 of them or something. It's very interesting because my daughter, who I spoke of in the very earliest part of our interview together, her name is Anastasia, the one that they tortured, murdered. Right. Okay, And a few years after she died, I found the Ringing Cedars books, and the first one is called Anastasia. And I felt as if, in fact I know this, she was talking to me through these books about the world that she needs for me to create in order for her spirit to come incarnate here and be able to stay here. Like, she could not stay in the satanic realm. And so there's a, these books are profoundly life-changing. And, and if you do read them, you may end up like me. You may end up coming to the choice that the most important thing is the fulfillment of human love mm-hmm. in this lifetime, and that you are willing to do what it takes to achieve that. And in my own case, I knew coming from having lots of sex and all of that and never Mm. not getting what it is that I wanted, that it's incredibly important for me to have a long period of not engaging in that behavior so that I could clean my field and come into who I am in order to attract the right man for me. Because if I had all the baggage of all of those people right. that I had merged with, which I still am feeling disgusted about, the things that I allowed myself to do, that I allowed to happen to my body, all right, how can you possibly find the right person in that field of darkness? 
You, you tend to keep repeating the same thing if you're not careful, huh? Yeah, and you have to clean up. And that means also healing your trauma. You know, if I didn't work on healing my trauma, mm-hmm. I would not know what I know. I would not see what I see. You know, I, I had to get to a place of deep healing in order to be able to perceive these things that most people can are not seeing. Right. Even though they're right there in front of us. You know, most people don't yeah. see this. I know. It's shocking when you realize something that you just saw for the first time has been in front of you for a long time before that. Yeah. And something she says in these books, which I think is really something for us to consider, is she says every time a man, she says, reaches satisfaction. She hates the word orgasm. She says, every time he reaches satisfaction, an entity is created. Okay, this is because this is a life-creating energy. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when a man has a release, that energy, if that energy has not been directed into the creation of of a child... It doesn't just go away. An entity is still created in space that has no chance to incarnate into a body and that suffers tremendously. She Hmm, says this in book seven. And I read this, you know, multiple times over and over again. You know, at first when I read the stuff that she was saying, I was like, this is nonsense. You know, sex is great and uh, all this. I just didn't, I was not ready to accept what she was saying. But after years, three years or so of really writing it down, what she, the things that she says and thinking about it and meditating on it, I realized absolutely she's correct. We are surrounded by entities now. It's interesting. You know, I, I think she and could be completely right. I leave that open for all that stuff. But I actually don't. My experience is that the parents don't create the child. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, it's don't. not. We don't. I'm They're saying the child people. already exists and it's an old being. It's an almost ageless being. And by the time it comes in, it comes in because it's invited by these, you know, two parents, hopefully in harmony with each other. Most of the time not. But they're not usually in harmony. Yeah, but but it does come in for a reason to those two particular parents. And, and when I look in the eyes of a newborn baby, I, it's not new to me. It's just newly in this new costume that it's building and with the mind that it's working with. But that's just my experience so far. And I, I would agree in many cases that babies are quite magical and um, there's a tremendous energy of, lo- um, energy of love that emanates from them if they've not been traumatized. Yeah, yeah, which is very rare, unfortunately. One of the things to also that you mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm obviously just going through them quicker than we could because I'm not trying to keep you for another 10 hours, but... Um, <laughs> you, you made a couple of comments about people being old and what I've found is that what, you know, what we're taught about most things turns out to be not true. 
and in the area of so-called aging, I've been really interested in working on that for a long time. And what I ended up finding at this point, and I know I'm still a beginner with it, is that it's almost entirely not what we're told. Regular aging, as we're familiar with it, is not necessary, abnormal, mostly reversible, depending on how much damage we've already done. And it's not a normal function. The body has been designed to stay in great shape until we're done with it. Yeah. And I, I'm pr- really clear on that at this point. And I would agree 100%. And the Ringing Cedars books would confirm um, that very thing, you know, because her great-grandfather is in excellent physical shape when he mm-hmm. made the decision that it's time for him to leave his body. Exactly. There's no infirmity at all occurring. But we're in a condition right now of what's called rapid aging from radiation exposure. And um, it's not just humans, you know, if you notice in your own neighborhoods, you might find cement breaking down or wood starting to peel sure. and rot and at a much more rapid pace than it ever has before because of the radiation. You know, yeah. so I, I agree. I agree with that. I just think what's our real potential to resist and overcome that. And I think it's probably more than we realize. And so I'm just interested in opening up what we can. It would be wonderful to come into that aspect of our power, that, that this energy can affect us. Yeah, and I think we are potentially that strong. I think we are as well. I mean, not that it means anything till you demonstrate, but I, I have the strong feeling that we can do that. I haven't been able to achieve it as much as I really would love to. You know, this energy makes me feel incredibly unwell. Yeah, I understand yeah. that, right. So, but I want yeah, to go and, back up for just a second, because there's something I wanted to say about the babies being born. Sure. Which is, there's a scene in the Ringing Cedars books that's also very, very powerful. And in this scene, there's military science people who are trying to capture Anastasia. Anastasia being a woman that lives outside of the technocratic world and has all of her pristine human capacities intact. Okay? She's not been influenced by this interference at all. So when they try to capture her, this event occurs where their bodies and their souls split into two things. And their souls are observing the bodies, but not able to make a connection Mm -hmm. with the bodies. And these bodies are engaged in abominable activities, you know, destroying things, uh, pissing and crapping all over everything, raping. And um, the bodies are engaged in really atrocious activities. And at one point, a male body rapes a female body. The female body becomes pregnant. The baby rapidly develops because everything is speeded up and is born. And then it comes into a toddler and suddenly falls on its butt. And the soul, who can't make a connection with the body, is nevertheless feeling all the pain of everything these bodies are doing. Okay, And when that baby falls on its butt, this soul 
realizes that it's just reincarnated, not by choice, okay? Mm-hmm. Because it's been trapped with an inability to connect with a body. And I want people to think about that because many people, I think, who are here may not have incarnated by choice but are trapped in a satanic matrix that the only way out of is through consciousness. Okay, you, you must see it and make a choice that you will never reincarnate into this satanic matrix again. And that you will find a way, it does not need to happen through death, a death of the body. You will find a way to take your consciousness in this lifetime out of this matrix or find a way so that you never have to be born into this again. Okay, and to understand that, you know, when I look at my family members and the things that they do to their bodies and to this environment with their lifestyles, when I see that and I understand the pain of their souls who are not able to connect with them, there's much grief in that for the soul because the souls are good and the souls are the part of us that feel. Right. And the less you feel, the less connected you are to your soul. You know... Uh, yeah, I I can kind of confirm that in a way because the I was interested, you know, I, I felt consciously from right after I was born that I had come into some really hellish environment, and I thought, what did you do? Yeah, and um, and that persisted for a long time. I mean, by the time I was in third grade, I thought I made a massive mistake, and I was seriously thinking about killing myself as a solution. Because I thought everybody else was okay and there was something really wrong with me. Um, Fortunately, you know, I was prevented from doing anything to follow through on that. But much later, a lot of memory started coming back from before this lifetime, not only from physical incarnations, but from places in between on other dimensional levels. And that started coming I mean, at this point, you know, based on what's going on in the world, I don't see any point in not saying things openly, and exactly. especially especially since we haven't been censored yet, totally. And I mean, they're working on it, but they haven't completed it yet. Yeah. So, um, I the only reason I didn't self-destruct is I started getting flooded with this visions and information from before, and I remembered more and more who I was, you know, and who I still am. And it's not physical. I mean, I really appreciate the physical costume, and I ended up finding out that it's conscious and self-aware, and it can communicate with you. And it's got information to share that puts puts lab reports to shame. I mean, it's like real-time, moment-to-moment information. So when people talk to me about, you know, I spent decades putting together protocols for reversing aging and things that you would do in lifestyle adjustments to make that better. Um, but 
compared to any program that you can write on paper, like this is your diet, this is exactly when you do what exercise and all that, compared to that, following the real-time guidance of your body when it wakes up, there's no comparison. Uh And so what I ended up feeling, and in a way it relates to Anastasia, I mean, in, in a way that it's completely outside normal ways of understanding things, I ended up experiencing that we have two kids that we abandoned, every one of us. One of them being the body, which is a conscious being that's been wanting our attention from before birth. And the other one being the mind, which is not the brain. It operates through the brain and it survives the body. And that also turns out to be conscious and self-aware. And when that communication and relationship is healed, they both become allies And it's not like the old yogis that thought, oh, I have these bad thoughts, I've got to kill the mind. The mind is not intrinsically bad. It's just programmed in a way that makes it work against us, but that can change. And I found that all of the um, impressions from birth trauma, early childhood trauma, life trauma, adult trauma, you know, because it's just been one kind of trauma after the other in sequence, All of those are embedded in mind programs that are not physical, although they affect everything about the body, and every cell in the body is aware. But it's a different thing. It's a non-physical program. If the mind can learn to stop projecting that, it can save decades of of psychoanalysis. I'm just saying that if mind is self-aware, so what I found out, and it just stumbled into this, that if the mind gets the relationship back between the parent and child, which is the child being mind and the parent being what you call the soul or spirit or our conscious self, if that relationship is healed and the mind learns to stop projecting programs, they can all completely dissipate without even being analyzed. And all those sequential traumas can just not be there anymore. And I, I found that to be incredibly valuable because things evaporated that could have taken lifetimes to analyze and even analyzing them could have uncovered more layers to get through and that process could have gone on indefinitely and i found out that all of the seed of karma from what i could tell was embedded in these mind programs that mind could stop projecting and if that happened and the yogis had made friend with the mind instead of fought against it they could have saved themselves thousands of years struggling in the caves. See, it's interesting what you're calling the mind, because in in my perception, the body has a consciousness, and it's the body that has these memories of the trauma. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying there's another entity that I ran into that's not the body. And the reason I say it's not the body is it survives bodies. And it's still there. So would you call that consciousness? No. No? No, it's a specific... This is where I've gotten to so far, okay? And I'm saying this with the understanding that I'm a beginner with this. I'm just an explorer. Compared to what we have to learn, I don't know anything. But we're sharing experience so far. So what I got to is there's this entity that everything ultimately is made out of consciousness because that's where we came from. And it's really the essence of who we are. 
And so we projected out of that consciousness because there was nothing else to make anything out of. One thing we projected was mind, which was for the purpose of being an interface between us who are non-without form and this universe environment, which appears to be solid physical matter, but it's not. It's almost all empty space, actually. But to interact with it, mind was the perfect interface, and it has access to all information. And the body is a different entity that's also conscious. I just ran into two of these things. And then I followed it further, and they're very, very valuable. And mind doesn't die with the body. At least that's what I remember now. And I remember going through birth, and I remember going through death multiple times. Birth is harder. And I don't have any concern about death anymore because I I know what that's like. Yeah. But it's just an interesting field of exploration. Yeah, birth shouldn't be so hard. It should be amazingly beautiful, but we've made it very, very (sighs) Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. say we've made it, but we've, we've participated in a very dark program. We went along with it, for sure. We did. So at this point, would you agree that becoming conscious yourself is really the essential f- step to everything else? I would say that healing is the first piece. Um, and that through the healing consciousness comes it's like I I said earlier I would not see and perceive what I perceive if I had not healed right you know I couldn't possibly because I was locked in a trauma vortex and still basically under a spell but it's through the, the energy healing that I've done on my body bringing my consciousness to my body and saying to my body, I understand what you've been through now. I want to help you. Please, you know, allow me to help you by doing self-care every day and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So it's through that allowing the body to be restored to its full uh, capacity that I begin to see. It's very interesting how it's worked. You know, it's like the trauma blocked my capacity to see things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and people shouldn't worry about the idea of this bad connotation of taking care of yourself as being selfish. No. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not able to be useful to other people either anyway. When I speak of self-care, I'm literally talking about, I do, uh, like I said, I, I do a system of energy medicine called Jinshin Jitsu. It's a Japanese system. So I, I do this every day on myself for at least 10 or 15 minutes a day, usually about 30 minutes a day, um, because it helps my nervous system to unravel the trauma. Right. It restores my ability to connect with my original blueprint where the creator designed me. And it's in that restoration of my neurology, basically, my body, Mm -hmm. that allows me to see things clearly. Right. Because if my neurology is, you know, continuously disrupted, 
by more and more trauma and more and more disturbing frequencies and mm-hmm. what's in our environment, poisons and everything. How can we see? You know, we have to heal. Yeah, yeah. Resolve these things so that our nervous system is restored to its proper alignment with source. Yes. So getting your physical health back as much as you can is not just a physical issue. It helps everything. Right, it helps your perception and your consciousness and the whole it thing. It does, you know. The food you eat, if you're not lining your body with chemicals, will make a right. difference. If you're eating organic, you know, you'll be able to see more clearly. Right. Just this is a natural. Where we are either participating in the divine program. Or the opposite, and if we're participating in the opposite. We can't see things clearly. You know. So when you work with consulting clients, you help them get physically back closer to the condition that they're supposed to be in, right? Normal, healthy. Personally, you know, we talk about nutrition to some extent. We talk Mm -hmm. about the importance of eating organic Mm -hmm. and not putting poison on your body, you know, all these things. But (sighs) Right. You know, my my focus is really on healing the trauma, which is going to, uh, on its own, get people to make better choices for themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, and this is real. When you are not, oh, yeah. uh, when you are not carrying a burden that says, "I'm not lovable," "I'm not loved," right. uh, and and. Uh, having to suppress all of this pain through smoking and taking drugs and all of these things. Yeah. When you heal the trauma, you will naturally make better choices. Right. And then you don't need to make yourself unconscious with drugs anymore. You know, the drugs are a way of, of achieving, a, you know, a feel-good state. So if you're, for example, becoming addicted to opioids, mm-hmm. it's always because people are searching for that sensation that I spoke of earlier, right? which is our birthright. We're always looking for that sensation. All of us are. And many of these people who are opioid addicts were actually born on opioid drugs. It's the only sensation that they know is the, euf- the drug-induced euphoria. They've right. never had the real thing. We've so many of us never had it, never had love. Right. Well, I, I think with the drugs too, it's a way to become unconscious of what's bothering you. Well, it's a way of mm-hmm. dealing with the pain. It's a way of trying to achieve a feel of feeling good. That's all it is. Right. Everybody is tr- is seeking that. That's why uh, people are engaging in all this sex. We're all really looking for love. We don't know that. We think the orgasm is going to get us what we want. It's not. It's definitely not. That's not the same. It's very, very different. Yeah. So, but this is the heart's calling is for that sensation of love that we right. have not had. So the other thing I wanted to ask you before we end here is looking from the point that you're standing now in this long adventure of 
healing the trauma and getting to where you really want to be in your function in the world. What do you want to do for the next stage? What's your ambition for that? What do you see as... The the Ringing Cedars books have had a profoundly important impact on my life, and so my goal is to create my space of love, you know, to meet my beloved, create my space of love, a space of love being a place where me and my beloved, everything we create on this beautiful piece of land is for our future children, for our future family, something that we can have in perpetuity for our family line. Do this in a community of other people that want to bring children to this earth in the most profoundly beautiful way. I can see a school there where we can help to prepare people for conscious conception, gestation and birth and parenting. And I see it being uh, part of the way that we're contributing to the fulfillment of the divine dream on earth, bringing God back to the earth, because it's like most people are totally enmeshed in the Luciferian realm, but restoring, it's like living once again in the cradle of the Creator. Right. Instead of this horrid nightmare. Yeah. This technocratic nightmare. I think that vision in your consciousness is going to draw the physical representation of it to come together. I see it. I can visualize it every day. That's something else that I do. I see the beautiful space I'm going to create, the beautiful house with a thatched roof, and, you know, it might be a, uh, a straw bale house or something like that. Uh, and I see the greenhouse and the chickens, and I see, you know, my children, friends with the geese and the swans and the horses and the cows and the beautiful orchards, and I see beautiful pregnant people in the community. And I mean, I see it. I have a, a thing on my website with this vision. If you go to Birth of a New Earth and you see a vision for the future, you'll see the vision um, in pictures. The visuals are really helpful. This is one of the ways we create reality is through pictures, through the images in our minds. And so it's very important to hold, to have an image. And that's what the Ringing Cedars books bring, is a beautiful image for the future. Yeah, it's like the power of imagination is not something to look down on. And we've been using it our entire lives to create our reality. Just not very consciously. See, they know, the dark forces know about the power of images, and that's why there's TV, yeah. that's why they've got us focused on all this sexual filth through their music industry and all this satanic images that come across the movies and the television. Because right. we, when we tune into these images, are helping to create the satanic yeah. reality. We're giving our creative power to that reality by watching these images. Yeah, I completely agree. From these images and start creating our own images of beauty and love. And yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Everybody can start on that right now if they would like to. So, pretty neat. Did we miss anything? or What else do you want to say? I want to just say, Richard, that I, I totally value the depth 
that you've allowed this conversation to go to and the consciousness that you bring to the conversation. Um, Because I think it's so needed at this time. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you for your part, too, because I feel really privileged to get to talk to you. So that was great. Um, Yeah, hopefully it's going to have a positive effect on as many people as possible and keep growing. So hold on here and we'll say goodbye in the break. Okay, there goes Janice Barcelo. I hope that you guys got something out of that. That was a pretty heavy-duty discussion, in my opinion, but a lot of really um, potentially beneficial things to absorb, learn from, and um, really change direction in a positive way, especially if you're wrapped up in parts of medical um, agendas that you really would like a better alternative to. Janice has a lot to say about that. And remember her three books, which I haven't read because I just found out about Janice recently, thanks to a listener who made the recommendation. But I get the feeling like her, all three of her books would be very valuable to read. The first one is um, The Dark, or no, what is it? Birth Trauma and the Dark Side of Modern Medicine. And the second one is The Dark Side of Prenatal Ultrasound and the Dangers of Non Ionizing Radiation which ultrasound is one example of. And then the third one is, um, are wireless devices really safe? Fortunately, I wrote down those, plus her, her websites. You can, I think, get all three of those books now at birthofanewearth.com. And uh, she has another site, which sounds educational, and that's radi- radiationdangers.com. And anybody that wants to consider working with her, uh, she gave out her personal contact email, which is Janice Barcello, J-E-A-N-I-C-E, Barcello, B-E-A-R-C-E-L-O dot, or no, Barcello at yahoo.com. And so, you know, you don't have to commit to anything. You can just write her and ask her a question, see if it would be useful to do something with her. And she's got these classes coming up. She's got a in-depth class for expectant parents that apparently is going to start in October. I didn't know about that. That could be valuable. I think it's it might be one of these 20-week parenting programs. Um, and she's got courses. I think she has one specifically for men that are about to become parents or are parents already. A lot of valuable work that she's doing. So take a look at all those resources. That's something I just recently found out about in I think that uh, she's a rare source of certain elements of that information that you almost never come across. And she's talking about it from experience, which is the best way. So I just, I'm just i still in, personally in the process of, of absorbing. I hadn't talked to her before uh, this show, and I think there's, there's a lot to absorb and uh, use in what we talked about. Hopefully you got something out of it too. And remember that um, this was our Sunday show, but we have shows on Saturday. Also called Lost Arts Radio Live at 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern Time. Usually related to to, uh, current events in some way. And then we have our private club meeting uh, starting half an hour after that. So uh, the, the Lost Arts Radio Live show will end and then 30 minutes later, more or less, unless we go over on the first show, which we don't usually, but it does happen. Uh, At 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, we have Planetary Healing Club 
which is a meeting place for the people that want to take all this to the next step. And all the action that you can do in the physical world, all the groups you could join and all the causes you could work for, you know, trying to get things done or things stopped or things changed. The What I found anyway, and you can see what you think, is, is that the effect of your participation in those outer activities is really in proportion to the inner work that you do on yourself to get your physical health back as much as you can and also your consciousness, which is a vast subject. And we talk about both of those in Planetary Healing Club. So if you want to see where that's accessed, there's a portal to get into that club at planetaryhealingclub.com. I'm about to put another... um, one or more videos out about trying to explain more what the club is about so you can know whether it's something you'd be interested in or not. And for people that are already in it that are just joining, I know I have to put up a video that brings them up to speed with everybody who's been there for a while because I want it to be easy access and maximum value to anybody that signs up for it and tries it out. Um, The whole point of it is to share information that you're not going to run into all in one place really anywhere else that I know of. Um, And then be able to use it, you know, and get the whole point is, (laughs) you know, you get maximum benefit out of it. So members can let me know what out of these vast range of things that we can go into you're interested in. And if it's in the range of stuff that's been in my research career of the last 55 years or so, then we can talk about it. And um, it'd be nice to have you join us if you feel like it. And that's planetaryhealingclub.com. The other thing is we don't do commercials on these radio programs. And we're trying to get money to buy a school, not buy a school, build a school from scratch, according to very specific criteria that are connected to things that happened a long time ago, adapted to conditions now. And I'd like to see that happen while we still have time uh, before it becomes too late on this level. So, um, you know, we get a little bit of money from the club dues. We don't have nearly enough people to really support building a school yet, but anybody that wants to donate to keep us on the air and to get our projects done, uh, you, if you have the resources to do that without intruding on what you need for yourself, then you can find a donate button at lostartsradio.com or lostartsresearchinstitute.org, which is our nonprofit that is in charge of the whole thing, or at subscribestar.com, subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. And uh, just in case... You need a non-censored place to find us. That's brighteon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. And that's uh, advanced to the point where you can subscribe to that channel to get uh, notified of new videos, and it's free. Um, so you might want to do that. And we're just starting to post some things on Parlor and um, Gab, and hopefully we'll get more of a presence there as it becomes possible. I think that's about it. Um, So be aware of all of our shows and of the private club meetings that you're invited to. Um, If you want to have any feedback or uh, questions or anything, or tell me if you like this really intense show tonight and if it was uh, something that you feel was beneficial for you. I hope so. That's the point of all of them. And um, if we had one main message, I think it's that you're the star of the whole show and, you know, you're not the limited, uh, you know, 
defenseless, helpless person who doesn't know anything, you know, that, that relies on all these experts. It's, you're told that um, because the opposite is true. And if we wake up to our real potential and our normal abilities that we forgot a long time ago, that will turn things around on, on this level. But we have to do it soon because things are getting intense. So I'm inviting you to uh, take your real role in this whole thing. And it's something amazing. And it's not selfless. You'll benefit more than anybody. It's all, we're all, you know, affected by everything that happens and by each other. So anybody that takes responsibility and said, yeah, I'm going to become conscious, I'm going to get physically healthy, I'm going to do all these things and change my lifestyle in ways that help me so that I'll have something to share with other people, not by what you say, but what you become, then um, even one person can have this massive effect, and we'll see what happens from that. So you got your invitation, and uh, thanks for being here. It was nice to uh, share the show with you, and we'll see you again next time. Take care of yourself. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind, and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on two YouTube channels, Facebook Live, Periscope, which is Twitter, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. 
Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channels at Lost Arts Radio and at Diamond Disc. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. It's not goodbye It's just 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.